Welcome to your daily affirmations. Repeat after me, working with others is easier than ever. I strive for perfect collaboration. Our teamwork keeps getting better. Yeah, affirmations are great, but Monday.com can really get you the teamwork you desire. Work together easily and share files, updates, data, and just about anything you want all in one platform. Affirm yes to start. Or tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, I'm Dan. And I'm Mike. So welcome back to 15-Minute Film Fanatics, the podcast where two lifelong friends and film fans sit and have a conversation about a film they've watched independently and talk about together for the first time. Um, Before we start with this week's episode, Mike, I just want to know if I could sneak in a bonus episode within the episode. Go for it. So last night I watched The Spanish Prisoner. You ever seen The Spanish Prisoner? Yes. Terrific David Mamet, con game movie. I I have a nine-word episode. That's it. It's like, it'll be a a seven second film fanatic. I can do a whole episode about that movie in nine words. You ready? Go for it. They do to him what movies do to us. Well, hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Dan. Welcome back to 15 Minute Film Fanatics, the podcast where two friends and lifelong film fans sit down and discuss movies that they've watched independently, but have never spoken about for the first time. Uh, This week's episode, second episode, is... 2018's The Red Turtle? 2016's The Red Turtle. Man, that, that movie ages well. It sure does. So this is, this is if you haven't seen this, it's, it was written by uh, Michael Dukak DeWitt and um, Pascal Ferran. It was directed by uh, Michael Dukak DeWitt. Um, put out by the same studio that did Spirited Away, if you've ever seen that, you know, for a really famous animated film. I have not. Um, oh, you got to see it. It's, it's, okay. People do an episode on that. It's really, really great. But, um, you know, an 80-minute animated movie that I think does so much. Mike and I have not talked about this at all. Our texts have only been images of the turtle poking its head out at the raft. So spoiler alert, if you don't want to know what's going to happen, watch The Red Turtle. It's not long at all. It goes, it goes quickly. And then come back and listen. But um, I saw this film for the first time at an art house. Uh, and they were having like kids movie night. So I went with one of my kids and I said, okay, I've never heard of this. Look kind of interesting. And I found that I couldn't stop thinking about it when it was over the same way I couldn't stop thinking about 2001. The first time I saw that when I was a kid, um, I didn't think it was as profound as mind blowing as 2001, but it just kept popping up in my head at odd moments in the day. And my son and I talked about it a bit and then it kind of, you know, vanished from my mind until we started doing this podcast and we were thinking of shows to do and, and somehow it just came up. So, so Mike, um, you just saw this, you know, a day ago, a day or so ago, what's your take? Go. One of the beautiful things about my personal viewing experience uh, is that I knew nothing about this film. I didn't look it up. Uh, I, you know, I took your recommendation. I went to to Amazon. I put in the Red Turtle, um, and I and I watched it. This, uh, there's not a lot of movies that are marked universal viewing. There's not a lot of movies where you you could give this movie to to anybody. I could show this movie to my ten year old goddaughter. I could I would give this movie to other. Um, film fans that I know, I would show this movie to people who don't necessarily love movies yeah. um, and, and don't have a deep viewing experiences. And there, there's something, uh, so for, so for my uh, viewership, there was something hermetic about the movie, like uh, something sealed, right? Because I don't, I don't know any of the producers. I don't know any of the sure. directors. I don't know the plot. Uh, the title's not a giveaway. You know, the, you, you figure it involves a red turtle at some point and that's, that's about it. Um, and I think that uh, also, that that's part of what the um, 
it's not a silent film. We'll talk about that later, I'm okay. sure. Um, but that's what a lot of the quiet does does for the film. That's what the atmosphere of the film does. It's very much like um, the beginning of Wall-E. I think a lot of people walked into Wall-E in 2008 um, expecting, you know, a Pixar romp with bright colors everywhere and tons and of tons robot. of things, tons of things happening, and a, and a funny robot. And what they got instead was an entirely muted uh, experience from from beginning to end, which is essentially how the Red Turtle kind of kind of splashes in as well. Yeah, sure. I've always thought that Wall. I mean, I like Wally a lot, and I've seen it a million times. But I've always thought the movie loses something as soon as everyone starts talking. Yes, and uh, but. Wally is not Wally becomes a children's movie is as as the the beginning is not a children's movie now becomes a children's movie the red turtle is not a children's movie but it's appropriate for children and by appropriate I don't just mean it's content right. I mean I mean that it's um it's emotional content is accessible in a way that doesn't necessarily need maturity or worldliness uh to, to understand or to digest yeah well said that it's not a, not necessarily a children's movie i mean it's not how to train your dragon three or something like that or something that's, that's right. been like trolls world tour that's been marketed just to make kids you know bring the drag their parents to the movies absolutely you know it's funny you said that you can give this to anybody and i think that's really really true you could also give it to anybody who who speaks any language and that universality i think is what makes it so good i mean i mean i think that the the, the protagonist he he you know talk about an everyman figure and he yeah. is everywhere. And it also takes place, I thought it was also interesting that you can't even pin down the time in which the film takes place. He has the, the dreams where he sees like the, uh, the string quartet and, and we know that the little kid finds a bottle, okay? So there's glass and corks being, so you know, this, this, this could take place anywhere from, you know, anywhere in the modern era, anywhere from like, you know, the 16th century onward is when this could take place. And I think the filmmakers took great pains to make it as universal an experience as they could. They, they did. Um... This is not, of course, their invention, but they made great use of what I would call visual italics for those dream <laughs> sequences, such that I think any kid over three years old understands visually when they're when they're watching the, yes. um, that that the main character of the Red Turtle, the guy, we'll just call him the guy, I guess, uh, is is having a dream. Yes, uh, which, which to me seems a great achievement. And a kid could certainly understand this. A kid, like, so we'll talk, I'm sure, in a couple of minutes or maybe a couple of seconds about all the everyman qualities that the guy sure. has. But a kid doesn't have to think about that at all because there's also those great moments that are really nerve-wracking, like when he's stuck in the cavern underwater or when the kid falls you, off the cliff. You know exactly what that moment reminds me of, and that's not my moment, so I'm not what? cheating. Um, when, I was, uh, when I was 13, my aunt came from Egypt for a visit for the first time. She didn't speak any English, and we are just home with the TV on. So I'm flipping through the channels and uh, I happened to stumble on TCM, which uh, their, their big feature of the day was Ben-Hur and it's the chariot <laughs> scene. So, but I, so I left it on and it, both of us got the exact same thing out of the chariot scene from Ben-Hur. And I, the, um, the, universal, the, the universal quality, universality of, the, of that tension is exactly the same thing as yeah. knowing that that little cartoon character can't breathe and he's yes. stuck between the rocks and wriggling like an eel trying to get through them. Yes, and it's instant tension. Like you don't need to say like, okay, he has to meet the guy at the bus station at 2.30, but there's three cops watching him. Now he doesn't realize that his partner has actually turned to be with him. Like there's none of that stuff to, to make no. the super tense scene or the murdering of uh, the five families or something like that. It's just, yeah, there's a guy that's in a cavern and he can't get out. And then there's, there's brilliant repetition. So, you know, the, the, the cavern scene is, re is repeated right. twice. Um, you know, once with him and once with his son because the cove has an exit, you know, it's, right. it's actually fed from the, from the sea outside. And so uh, part of the patterning as well, I think makes this comprehensible, which is what essentially what we're talking about. There's, there's no uh, question marks, except yes. for, for, for one big one. 
Well, 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 I'm sure we'll talk about that in a little bit. But let's finish the segment by talking about some of those everyman qualities. I mean, for, for, for me, when I thought about the film, I thought to myself, you know, what makes this so compelling? And, and I thought, well, he's like a lot of us, right? He's in a storm. He gets thrown into a situation. He's in this island, right? And what does he want? He wants to get out of it. But the, the arc of the movie is that the red turtle, whatever the red turtle is, you know, makes him stay and he gets a second chance to redeem himself. He has that moment of terrible cruelty where he, where he kills it and flips it over, right? And then he feels bad about it. So it's almost like his original sin. And then the turtle kind of makes him become this full human being. You know, she, the, I'll call the turtle she. She teaches him that it's not where you are, it's what you are. And that he, he grows as a person when he stops trying to escape. And I think that's a, that's a universal idea. Like we all, we, we, you know, um, I'm getting bugged driving up and down the same old strip. I got to find a new place where the kids are hip. That's the Beach Boys song, right? We all think, you know, the, the better parties are in the other dorm and the next town over is a cool place to live. And I wish I lived in this part of the country, not that part of the country. But this movie's all about, no, that's not the important thing. The important thing is what you do where you are, not trying to think there's a world elsewhere that you have to escape to. Uh, on a less allegorical level, they gave him a beard. And he's yes. got beady eyes. So he's got the most nondescript facial features that you can possibly have, which yeah. le leads me to reading things into his face yes. um, that may or may not be happening. I mean, there's times when he screams, there's times when emotion is obvious. Um, but uh, I think that that beard is genius. So what did you think? What was another everyman quality of him for you? Um, I, I, again, I, I think mine are mostly, mine are mostly physical. Um, you okay. know, when he's, when he's, in, when he grows into the old man or the, yeah. the younger, the baby starts to look like him, it's, right. you know, et cetera, as things goes on, uh, as things go on, um, you don't question, you're not like, who's that old guy? Yeah. You know, even, even though, you know, the, the, the continuity that the, the clarity of time passing, um, and the very, very limited sets, I guess we'll call them sets, mm -hmm. the limited, the limited scenery, right? You've got the forest, you've got that beach, you've got that right. one, you've got that one cove and you've got the top hump of the island. Um, and that's it. So um, nothing changes. You assume that you're looking at the same person um, over and over and over um, makes it easy to read in, read into things. And again, he's got no, he's got no accent. Um, right. Nobody, nobody right. speaks. So the the normal indicators that you would use uh, to 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 try to place somebody and understand where they come and maybe what context they exist in uh, are are utterly gone. So what you you're know, saying, you, so if I may, I think what you're saying is that so your your point is that the visual elements help me create that whole allegory I just did. Absolutely, um, which which wouldn't make sense wouldn't make sense otherwise but when when life is as simple as one man on a raft um you might as well be saying um you know once upon a time yeah and that's what i think this film does all right i'll see you in segment two we'll talk about our favorite moments okay okay welcome back so in the second segment we like to talk about key scenes or scenes that are indicative of the themes of the film as a whole dan you you look like you're dying to go I am. So my moment is um, both, um, I think, you know, it, it perfectly captures the themes of this film, but also refers to a past film we've discussed. And here's what it is. It's, it's right after the tsunami when they're, they're trying to find each other and, and, you know, you see all the bamboos been wiped out. I just think that, by the way, parenthetically, like how beautiful is that animation? Like, and, and the sound, right? You said it's not a silent film, right? When that's an unbelievably well-directed part. But I think that the whole nervousness you get as a viewer about who's alive after the tsunami, right, from the three of them, it's exactly the same emotion that Curtis feels in Take Shelter. 
It reminded me of Take Shelter, right? You got to protect the family, protect the family, protect the family. The world is, is a scary place. And sometimes stuff will come up on the horizon that you didn't see coming at all. You know, like we talked about the pandemic, right? Um, stuff's going to happen and you want to protect your family. And I, that's, again, a universal thing. And I think that that moment where, the, where he's scrambling around trying to find everybody reminded me of Curtis and Take Shelter, but it also reminded me of, you know, everything else. Like, okay, do we have enough masks? And, you know, how scary everything was, you know, uh, right when the lockdown first started. So that was my moment. I think um, it, it, it makes what's happening now in our contemporary world very, very um, real through, through the island. How about you? Um, so my, uh, my moments, uh, it, it's one of those repeated themes, which are um, when he keeps going into the bamboo forest to pull out, uh, to pull out the long sticks yeah, to, to make, make the raft. raft. It happened, he goes into the forest like that four times and the first three times are to make rafts and the fourth time is when he finally grabs a stick um and and beats the turtle yeah and uh the the repetition um in the in the raft making is almost like something out of chaplin um yes. it's it's funny yes. because no matter how frustrated he gets right. he does you, you never see he doesn't like sit down on the beach and take a breath and then you see him remaking a raft. The first thing he does is he drags himself off the beach and then he goes into the bamboo forest um, and tries the same thing that he just tried. Reminds me of um, once I locked uh, my uh, keys in my truck. Okay. And, but for some reason you can't stop, you can't stop pulling on yes. the door handle. Uh -huh. You know the door handle's not gonna open but you just have to keep pulling, <laughs> pulling on the door handle. And the, those first three times, uh, he's a somewhat pathetic figure um a, a la chaplin but then something happens that doesn't happen in a chaplin movie which is um you know if chaplin could just beat the other waiter senseless right um you know he he would be he would be the best waiter is not stop getting knocked off balance um but that never happens in charlie chaplin films but in this in this film um you know the the frustration boils over uh into physical violence before he even realizes what he's done um you know that that the turtle's gone and dead, and I, I thought that that was a, a beautifully illustrated moment of repeating the pattern, um, and then and then breaking it. And the rest of the film, I think, are the consequences of that action. Yeah, because when he goes when he goes out to the, you know, it's got the classic archetypal or or even joke setup when he he tries to leave three times. Like so, the first time he goes out, and then the second time he goes out, and and um, you, you know, I think that in those moments, you're expecting a different kind of movie. So, so imagine if this were like, um, you know, like a, a Disney movie or something, he'd become friends with the turtle and the, tur the turtle would talk and they'd have, he'd ride the turtles back sure. and they'd have, they'd have adventures under the sea and stuff and they'd sing. It'd be like the little mermaid or something, but this is not the little mermaid because I think also what's great about those scenes is that when the turtles um, going under his raft and, and making him sink, you know, and then it just kind of gives him the stink eye. And you as a viewer try to read into the turtle's expression, like, well, what's going on? Like you said before about how great it is that the, that the, the guy only has um, tiny, tiny pupils for eyes and you try to read into it. So I think as a viewer, you're kind of like, what's going on? And like, you know, why is this turtle stopping him from trying to escape? You know, and then, you know, you, the turtle just gives you a poker face. Well, that, mo that moment is so beautifully off-putting because, um, and I know from the amount of stills that I looked through uh, to send you that text, uh, it, the, the turtle is the most beautifully animated thing in the entire film. Yeah. You know, all the trees are like that. All the bamboo sticks are like that. Um, all the water is faintly stop motion, even though it's not, it's not stop motion. It's some kind of, um, you know, uh, like a compound technique they use between traditional animation and stop motion. Um, but the turtle's richly detailed, um, even, onto the dots in its uh, little in its little skin, the different shades um, of red that they use, the way that the eyes are animated. 
So let's talk um, about. Yeah. So let's talk about. Let's talk turtle. Let's I not think, talk turkey. I, let's talk turtle. I think what is that the turtle? What do you make of the turtle? How's the turtle fits the allegory? I don't know. I can only tell you one thing, which is um, I chose not. I, I I chose not to use this as my moment, um, although it was my moment. You know that the turtle. You know that the woman is going to turn back into a turtle at some yes, point. You, um, you know, there's there's no surprise when her hand turns back into a fin. Right. And then the and then the turtle slides away. Um, I don't know what I mean from from the Western cultural context. I can only tell you that um, things uh, turning into other things and disappearing to the sea is almost always bad. I don't know if you know yeah. any of the Irish legends of the Selkie sure. or, or anything like or anything like that. You know, so, songs and stories about Selkies, pe men turning back into seals, stealing yeah. your children. Um, everything is ominous. I don't get an ominous vibe from this movie at all. The only the only ominous vibe I get is from, as you said, natural events. Is from the the initial uh, shipwreck, the tsunami that happens, um, things filling up with water, the heat of the sun. Um, you know, th these are these are the things. Um, that are the elements of discomfort. You know, the, the turtle itself is, is never disquieting and is the least disquieting in the moment when the guy meets him, uh, meets her underwater for the first time and mm -hmm. curls up into a ball <laughs> and the turtle just floats towards her and then floats away. Um, I think the rich animation is an invitation to read into the turtle and that the animators, directors, and writers um, are not going to give anything. This is one of the best poker faces um, yeah. in movies, maybe since 2001, maybe since a giant baby, you know, floated in a bubble through space. It might be, you know, it's funny because I always say when you, when you write a screenplay, you have to know, you know, what does the character want? Why can't the character get it? That's every plot, right? So the, what does the guy want? He wants to go return to civilization. He wants, he wants his life back. He want, you know, he doesn't want to sit on this island. So what does he want? That makes perfect sense. That's Robinson Crusoe, right? Mm -hmm. um, Gilligan's Island, et cetera. What does the turtle want? Exactly, exactly, right? What does the turtle want? I mean, to, to, to teach him a lesson, is the turtle some kind of like mystical, like Yoda figure? Like we really don't know. And that's of course what makes it so much better. Yes, um, but the, so that I, and I think that that's well dramatized when, um, when the kid, the kid draws the island, right? The kid draws yeah. in the sand, a man and a woman. Mm -hmm. And his father sits down next to him and draws uh, a few men, some women, yeah. some babies, some animals, and then she draws a turtle. Yeah, and that's uh, that's the best I got. That's like that's my analysis of this movie: is the turtle drawn with the finger in the sand. Yeah. All right. Well said. All right. Well, in part three, we'll talk about the ending, and uh, not much about the title, but I'm sure we have things about the ending. Sure. We're going to pause here because we just want to tell you something. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. So let me explain. The first point is it's free. Yeah. Second, they have all the tools that you need to create, record, and edit your podcast right on your phone or your laptop. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so you can hear it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other places. You pick up sponsorships, you can make money from your podcast, and there's no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Always be closing, Mike. Always be closing. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hi, welcome back to segment three, where we usually talk about the ending of the film or the title. We can do either one now. All right, Mike, you could start. What do you want to talk about? No, we have to, we have to talk about the title now um, be, because I just want to return to one, one point that you said, which is I think, yes, the turtle resists analysis, and yet the 
even the the title lets us know that this movie is all about the analysis of that of that turtle. <laughs> sure. And so it's you know it's you know an unstoppable force meeting an, an immovable um, immovable object, right? It's not called a castaway. It's not sure. called the island. Um, you know, it's not called generation uh, unto generation. It's called right. the red turtle, yeah. um, who is on screen maybe for all of a combined five minutes, if that, probably not that, before uh, transforming into a woman. Um, did that transformation take you by surprise at all? No. Um, the initial transformation, not the transformation yeah. back. Yeah, no. I mean, you know, maybe a, maybe a little bit, but you knew... Um, I couldn't expect it. I only, you know why it didn't actually? Because of the title. Because the, you know, you, you go in there, where's the red turtle? Where's the red turtle, right? So I, did I expect that he was gonna kill it? That's, that actually surprised me more than the transformation because you're not used to seeing a moment like that in a film you know, marketed that I, that I initially, initially thought was marketed for kids and now I think is marketed, as you said, for everybody. Um, so that didn't really surprise me. But I think the title has to do with, you know, that's a great point you brought up is that it, the title invites you to think about what that turtle is and what that turtle does, even though it really should be called like the turtle woman, right? Because you said the red turtle's in the movie for a, sure. for a short amount of time. So, so what does the turtle do? What is the turtle's function? I think we can talk about that. Sure, I mean, I, her. so there's certainly an element of wish fulfillment, but, but more than wish fulfillment. In other words, um, yes, if you were stranded on a desert island, um, you might wish that various animal creatures would turn uh, into a human female. You would not necessarily um, wish that you would then marry that human female, uh, you know, procreate with it and then raise, you know, a, another, right. another generation of a, an, a teenage son who would eventually leave you, yes. um, you know, and spend your golden years uh, on the island uh, with uh, the, the right. turtle but that I transformed think, to him. But I, to that point, I think you wouldn't wish that because we're all conditioned, for lack of a better word, I hate that word, but we're all conditioned to think that like, that's not a fulfilling life. Like he can't read, he can't make podcasts. He, um, you know, he can't do all the things that we think are fun and make life interesting. He can't watch movies, right? And that's beyond like Thoreau. That, that's like, I mean, Thoreau at least got to read and, and write about being out at Walden. Um, but that's beyond any of that stuff. So, so people say, oh, I want to simplify my life. You know, I want to be like Marie Kondo or something and simplify my life. Um, well, that's real minimalism. I mean, that is life to use throw. That is life reduced to its lowest terms. And he doesn't want that. And I think we totally understand that. But I think the red turtle, go back to the, her function, is that she teaches him that like, no, like that is enough. Like to have that family and to raise a kid who's strong enough to go off by himself it might be heartbreaking and it's a little sad, but that's kind of like you, you did a good thing. And I think that at the end, if I could jump on to the ending, I mean, right before he dies, you know, he looks at the ocean, but he doesn't look at the ocean as like something he has to get through. Like he doesn't want to escape. I think he dies very, very peacefully knowing he's lived a good life, right? I mean, if a good man is hard to find, like we found one. I, so I'm, I'm with you, but I want to talk about one interruptive element which is yes you're right when he's dreaming he dream you know he doesn't dream of like a, um a tv he dreams of a of a quartet right. uh, playing on playing on the he beach that, civilization. That up, right well let's we i'm I, I think we could agree we could call that the best of civilization he doesn't dream of like a keurig machine or something sure. you know you know because he's just he just has to have a cup of coffee you know he he dreams of listening to to beautiful music and beautiful music played by the people and the 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 boy's yearning to leave the island or the recognition that he has to leave 
the island is um, a glass bottle washes up on shore. It's something that that can't be made on the island. So I I I'm with you most yeah, of the way. I just want to I just want to know what you what you think of that wrinkle, right? So he's he's living without civilization. His dreams are not just of the of the comforts of home, but the best of civilization. And his life with his kid is totally interrupted by a glass bottle of all things. I have it. I think I have it because Hit me. the kid the kid doesn't know enough. The kid doesn't know enough. The kid's not. The kid doesn't have the perspective that of wisdom that age gives you. The kid wants to go to something like what's the most boring town in America? It's the one you grow up in, right? Um, so you'll you know some kid grows up in Ohio and they say, well, I'm gonna go to college in California. Why? I just want to see other part. You know. Meanwhile, they could just go to Ohio State versus you know. So I think that that's a very um, understandable but very young person thing to do. And I don't think that uh, like a teenage kid like he is supposed to be, I guess he's like, you know, 17 or 18. That kid doesn't have the perspective that the man does. And you can't hold him back. You got to let him go. I mean, that's what, that's what happens. So I think that the bottle doesn't really so much interrupt the guy's life as kind of like, it, it's a way for the, for, the, for the plot to propel the kid off the island because that's what they do. If the kid were really clingy to his parents, they would have done a bad job, but they make him independent. And maybe he'll learn someday. He'll learn what the father does, but no way can, a, can an 18-year-old know what, what a 60 or a 70-year-old knows. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly, I'm trying to think of how much laughter there is in the movie. It's only, uh, you know, I can think of a couple of things where they're playing the papaya game. You yeah. know, they're like shaking the, the crabs fruit down. The, cr the crabs are great. The crabs are um, the next best thing to a Greek chorus. Yes, yes, they are. But I think um, the film asks. I think the film asks us this question, which is, which is, what do what does a person need to be happy? What do, what does a person need to be happy? So, you know, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago when my Wi-Fi was out, you know, it was DefCon Five or something like that, and I know how silly it is and stuff. But, you know, how much do you need to be happy? We all say we don't need material things to be happy, but we 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 fill up our our containers with them. Our houses are big containers of stuff. And I think the movie asks that question. What do you need to be happy? But we, we agree that the guy in the movie can't be fulfilled if she never transforms from a turtle into a woman. Correct. Right? Like, so he would have never devoid, learned that. Right. Devoid of, de devoid of other human uh, connection and contact. Yeah. Uh, th there's no movie here. Yes. Can we, can we agree on that? Yeah. And there's no happiness. He wouldn't have been as so happy if he were on the island by himself. Even if you were on himself eating well and living like a king, we would we wouldn't want that life. Like that's not a that's not a complete life. I don't think. So do you think? Do you think that there is any connection between being devoid of the comforts of civilization to take a richer pleasure in other people that mirrors the way that we're devoid of mostly devoid of dialogue, uh, in order to take greater appreciation in soundtrack, score, visuals, etc. Yeah, imagine if imagine how much we'd all be happier if we stopped uh, yapping at each other all day, <laughs> right? I mean, we're doing it right now as a as a as a as a lark, you know. But um, but in in real life, and we fill up our days with with yammering at each other, and you know, there's that great part in Pulp Fiction. Remember when Uma Thurman tells John Travolta, "That's how you know you found like your soulmate because you could just shut up." You know, and that's how you kind of know, like when you like when you're on your first date with somebody or your second date, you have to fill the silence with with yapping about, you know, small talk and the weather and stuff. But you eventually reach a point with a person where like you can just like go on a six hour drive and not talk much. 
and that's a great, great thing. So they've, we, we, the movie doesn't let us be privy to their conversations because it would break the stylistic, you know, you know, gimmick is that's a bad word, but the stylistic, uh, you know, technique of it. But because we don't have to see them talk, we look at them from afar and, and we could tell that they're fulfilled. Do you think that they talk? Um, oh, yeah, I never thought that's of that. My, that's my final question. So my, my theory on the yeah. film was that they never, um, part, of, part of the gimmick is that they, don't, they yeah. don't learn to speak because you can't speak. That's interesting. Yeah, and if not, then, 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 then all the better. All the better. You know, when there's, um, if I may refer to another great work of art, do you remember um, the Simpsons episode where Maggie says her first word? No. You're, okay, so, you know, well, you know, um, you got to catch up there. So you can watch it on your Disney Plus. Well, of course, Elizabeth Taylor was the voice of Maggie. I don't know if you knew that. No. And there's an episode where they're trying to get her to talk, and her first word is, is Homer. That's what she says. It's the only thing she ever says. But no one hears her say it. But the last thing Homer says to her when he puts her down is he says, um, it's okay if you don't talk, Maggie, because as soon as you start talking, you start talking back. And of course, that's like the, now it's kind of sentimental, obviously, but that's the cute thing about Maggie on The Simpsons is she never talks and she doesn't have to. So that's a great idea, Mike, that, that they never speak. And I mean, how much more, how much more in tune can you be with a person that you never have to speak to the person? That's a whole level of, of oh. intimacy. We'll, we'll try that on our next episode. We'll, <laughs> we'll have a silent we'll podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that was a lot of fun. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like us to do a movie that you, that uh, one of your favorites or something you'd like to hear us talk about, you can put that in the comments on Apple Podcasts as well. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Take care.